what I learned from all this was that, you know, once you start, people start supporting you from everywhere and people come together and they realize that they are able to now participate in something that is really meaningful, that perhaps goes beyond uh, cutting a check to a charity locally and taking a tax deduction. This may be something more. This may be something where we can actually give a box of gloves or a box of masks and it actually gets to someone in New Delhi or Calcutta or somewhere where they're actually going to be using it. And that's very meaningful. When saving lives is what you do, your standards are anything but standard. In fact, you set them higher than most to deliver results that patients can depend on. You refuse to compromise. We couldn't agree more. We are Edwards Life Sciences, and like you, we believe that good is never good enough. Rising to the challenge of today's TAVR patients isn't just a mission, it's a commitment. And because you set a higher standard, we set our sights on meeting you there. Welcome to the higher standard, your standard. Learn more at edwardstaver.com. You're listening to Parallax from Radcliffe Cardiology in association with makeadent.org. Here is your host, Ankur Kalra, MD from the Cleveland Clinic. Um, hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to another episode of Parallax. Uh, this is a special episode. It's uh, a deviation from our usual topics, but you know, I believe this is an extremely important topic and something uh, which has shaken all of us um, who are here in the U.S. and have roots back home in India. Um, and uh, I'm referring to the COVID-19 crisis, uh, the second wave of COVID-19 that has hit at the Indian subcontinent. And, um, you know, a lot of us who have roots back home, uh, you know, in Delhi and uh, in India um, have been uh, struck and um, have really been distressed to see what has been uh, shown on international media uh, and also from, uh, you know, Indian media, uh, just uh, a save our souls, uh, you know, cry um, from so many of our colleagues and friends and family. And, uh, you know, we, we feel uh, incredible pain and, and also distress and want to do our best to help um, our families and our friends and our colleagues back home. And just to discuss what we can do as uh, non-resident Indians and uh, as uh you know, people from the medical background and in medicine in the U.S. who, um, you know, still have uh, a lot of connections back home, you know, what we can do to help our colleagues. Um, I've with me a, a dear friend, uh, Dr. Swami Nathan. Uh, he's been on Parallax before. Um, so, Dr. Swami Nathan, thank you so much for doing this. Dr. Swami Nathan is a professor of anesthesiology at Duke, and uh, he's going to share with us how he has um, orchestrated uh, a major effort, um, you know, through his association and collaboration with Duke Health to help people back home. Um, so, uh, Madhav, welcome on the show, and thank you for doing this for us. No, thank you, Ankur. It's uh, it's a matter that affects us all, and uh, and we all have been uh, working hard to make sure that we do something within our power, a collective power, to help. Uh, those who we can back uh, back home in India. 
Yes, and you know, I think it's important for um, anyone who's listening who uh, you know is in similar shoes uh, as we both are that you know you could do a lot. I mean, you you don't have to um, you know orchestrate a massive effort and help uh, the entire nation. I mean, you, you know, like we were having this conversation with uh, the panel that Ami had put for the American Heart Association the other night that you could still be within your microcosm and help that microcosm and you'll still end up saving a lot of lives. Uh, so Madhav, uh, tell us how you've um, mounted this effort uh, within your own microcosm at Duke and uh, some of the roadblocks and what you've learned and how can someone uh, who's listening to this podcast uh, can take lessons of uh, as to how to help and you know, how to orchestrate an effort like this. Yeah, um, thanks, Uncle. So it, there are several levels at which you know I, I would like to respond to this sort of question, uh, the broad question. So you know, first, when we hear of a turmoil like this, and you know, these pleas and cries for help, uh, you know, we are all hurt, like you just said, and we are all struggling with trying to find ways to resolve our helplessness in this situation because so far away and so remotely, we all have friends and family members who are either ill, hospitalized, or have passed away due to COVID. We all want to help in some way. So the next question becomes, how do we do that and what is within our power to do? And a lot of us are sort of hampered by our own perceptions of our helplessness and you know, like what my boss once told me, he says failure to finish is usually because of a failure to start. So people don't know where to start. And and so I think one can help in several ways. I think the easiest way, and there are several levels at which you know we can try and do this. One way is to just give money to charities uh, who are doing work on the ground and who we may trust to provide the right help to the people who need them. And that may be the simplest way to do it. And then there is organizing uh, fundraising campaigns and then donate the money to a, a decent charity. So you organize a more grassroots level sort of campaign. And then the other one is to actually provide tangible aid. And so how do you provide tangible aid? And so you can provide you know, emotional support to people there. You can provide sort of panels of experts who will communicate remotely with colleagues there to help them care for patients. You can provide um, tangible aid in terms of supplies, but then the question becomes or the challenge becomes, how do you get it to the people who need them? What kind of supplies do they need? How do you organize these supplies? How do you send those supplies? Who funds the shipping? And so you come across certain logistical challenges around this. And then how does it actually get to the people that you hope it will get to in time without any kind of red tape or, uh, you know, maybe regulatory challenges. And then there's, you know, informational um, support that you can give to people, you know, back home, even though it may be remotely. And then there's, there's a higher level of support that you can provide. You can encourage your institutions or organizations to provide organizational support. That is, you know, provide large equipment and, you know, export stuff. Uh, and then there's an even higher level where you have governmental sort of support where you lobby your senators and lawmakers to provide a greater support from country to country. So it can be at a very local, individual, personal level where you donate money or you donate supplies, or you go organizational, or you go governmental. So there are several levels at which you can do stuff. And so none of this is beyond anyone's reach. You can invest whatever time you have or wish to invest into it, and you will get the right returns. But you, you sort of, I learned along the way, uh, you know, how I could 
be most helpful. And it all started with an email that I sent out of real pain and anguish at what I was seeing to my department um, at Duke, just an email that said, uh, you know, we're trying to arrange for something that can send, we can send supplies to India. Uh, you can either donate to this charity, which I know is doing good work, or you can donate to this GoFundMe campaign, which I know is doing good work, or you can um, send me money or supplies that we will put together and send to India. And I was in touch with some of my colleagues back home in India, in New Delhi, um, people who were really struggling in hospitals, physicians, and I asked them, what is the stuff that you need? And some of them told me PPE, some of them told me just you know gloves, masks, stuff like that. Um, we need all those stuff. We need oxygen concentrators. Now, I couldn't really arrange for oxygen concentrators. And I said, okay, what's the next best thing? And said, well, masks, tubings, you know, all those kind of things will help because we're running short of supplies. And then I also contacted a another organization, which is the Delhi Sikh Gurdwara uh, Management Committee, which runs probably the largest community service organization in the country. Um, and, and, and they do selfless work uh, through totally volunteer work, and they go out into the community and help people with food, supplies, medications, you name it, anything. And it's a remarkable organization. And so when I contacted them, they said, we just need to protect our volunteers who are going out into the community because if they fall sick, people don't get fed. So what we did was we we sent out emails at, at Duke and uh, through the American Society of Echocardiography Foundation, which was simply extraordinary. They let out, a, they, they put out a call for donations. We got donations from all around the country to help support the shipping, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, to, to help support the shipping costs. So we collected some money. We collected PPE supplies. I called some of my Duke colleagues and we looked up the surplus supplies, which, you know, we had, which we weren't going to use. So we collected some of them. Uh, fortunately, I was able to find a contact in FedEx, and they were really helpful. They they put me in touch with their international shipping agent locally, who walked me through how to prepare shipping labels, how to prepare pallets, how to pack them, what to fill in the forms, how to fill in customs forms to ensure that there are no roadblocks uh, to the aid that we were providing. So what I learned from all this was that, you know, once you start, people start supporting you from everywhere. And people come together and they realize that they are able to now participate in something that is really meaningful, that perhaps goes beyond uh, cutting a check to a charity locally and taking a tax deduction. This may be something more. This may be something where we can actually give a box of gloves or a box of masks and it actually gets to someone in New Delhi or Calcutta or somewhere where they're actually going to be using it. And that's very meaningful. And so when people started hearing about this out in the community, uh, families, they came over. They dropped stuff outside my house. Uh, they used my address to ship things from Amazon, uh, for instance. And we just collected a lot of shipment and supplies. So we, we now had stuff for three pallets worth of equipment that went to India. It reached within two hours, uh, two days, I'm sorry, uh, 48 hours. And uh, it went through customs and was distributed uh, you know, within the next couple of days. So we were really happy. Once Duke University uh, Health System heard about this from wherever, uh, people talking about it, uh, I got requests that, listen, hey, do you need stuff from the respiratory care supplies? Because the next shoe to fall is going to be the need for respiratory care equipment. So we've got portable ventilators, things that don't need power, for instance. Uh, these things are going to be valid for a little while. We don't need them here and we can send them. Uh, 
We have various CPAP or BiPAP masks. We have oxygen tubings. We've got nebulizers. We've got humidifiers. And let's go and see what we have. And we came up with a whole ton of equipment, enough for another four pallets of shipment, which actually went today. So, you know, I was eternally grateful because we got so many people coming from Duke who volunteered their time. And uh, with the help of ASE's funding, you know, we were able to organize a lot of people in a very short span of time. And what I really learned from this is that when you start doing something like this, people just come up and say, how can I help? And they want to rally behind something that perhaps is more meaningful or, you know, larger than larger than themselves. And it makes you feel also that you're doing something worthwhile. Yeah, no, it's it's incredible that you describe the domino effect, um, you know, just the, the 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 sheer action of taking an initiative and how that can have a domino effect on so many who want to, uh, you know, help in, in some way, shape or form. And, you know, uh, congratulations and, and kudos to everyone who, um, you know, helped you in your effort. Because, uh, you know, every uh, every little action, you know, every little help um, to those who need it the most um, actually counts. And, you know, you, you don't know how far um, even a little gesture of kindness can go. So, uh, you know, that, that's that's incredible. Uh, just so wonderful to hear. And I, I want to ask you, and I, I know uh, that this is a, an important question to ask because, uh, you know, I learned a lot just from our own conversation, you know, our own exchange of text messages. And, you know, I, I want to use, the, I mean, uh, you know, not using the platform, but, you know, just taking this opportunity to actually thank you on the platform for helping, you know, my father's hospital back home in Delhi uh, with the equipment. Um, but, you know, while we were exchanging text messages and trying to orchestrate uh, you know, equipment for his hospital in Delhi. Uh, I learned that, you know, this is not easy. Like uh, sending sending as, as much as you want to do this and, uh, you know, as much as people want to help and, you, you know, get equipment together and get the shipments together. Uh, I mean, just getting it packaged and having FedEx involved and, uh, you know, having your own uh, university and organization involved and, going through the paperwork, uh, you know, going through FEMA, for example, you were telling me and going through customs. So, you know, just break down the process for us because I really want this uh, episode to be, um, you know, like a one-on-one session on how to organize this if someone else wants to replicate your efforts. Yeah, no, great question. So um, as you may imagine, I've learned a great deal along the way and, uh, what has happened is that all my regular day job stuff has sort of fallen behind and I've, I'm going to catch up later on, but that's less important than what I'm doing here. Um, but, but along the way, sort of, I've learned, you know, sort of, I've become a logistics sort of manager, if you will. Uh, so first of all, you know, trying to get the supplies organized and trying to find out what we have and then how much it would be. And in parallel, trying to find out where we would stage an area uh, where we have enough real estate to pile up the boxes. So getting an idea, it takes a, it took a day or two to find out from different people, uh, what do we have? Uh, how much do we have? What is the volume? How many boxes? How many items per box? Um, and then we've got to find out what the costs are uh, of each one of those because there is a commercial value to this. Uh, who does it belong to? And uh, do we have permission to take it out? Have these goods be have these goods expired? Are they open? Are they boxed? 
so all these things had to be sort of inventoried. And so we first had to get a rough inventory of what we had. Uh, so, and that was a lot of stuff. And so I took some of the broader details of what we had, and then I went to uh, my contacts uh, in New Delhi, uh, several hospitals, and I said, hey, this is what we have. Do you need this? Uh, could this be useful? Could that be useful? And they said, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And, and so I got a good idea of what we could send them and what we don't need to send them. So then back uh, over here, at Duke, we started creating these lists where we said, okay, this hospital needs more of this. This hospital needs less of this. This organization needs more of this. So let's partition all these boxes and allocate them depending on what we have. Simultaneously, uh, you know, folks from Duke procurement and the supply chain folks uh, sort of came into the picture because they were told by someone that this is what we were doing. And they said, well, let's help. So we'll keep an inventory. We'll track the assets. We'll provide a cost estimate and we'll get the forms through because we've got a process to make sure that uh, anything that's going out of Duke goes through export controls to make sure we meet federal regulations. So it's fair. I said, how do I do that? I have no idea. This is going to take days. And they said, no, 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 we'll do all that for you. You just do what you're doing and tell us what's going. We'll track everything and we'll do the forms. And I said, but it has to go through approvals. They said, well, we get those through. Don't worry, because we just need to put that on paper. These things don't happen very often, but when they happen, it's time sensitive. Let's just do it. And um, so people just came across and said, how can we help? And they came across, we got the forms filled, we got, got the inventories done. In parallel, I'm talking to um, FedEx and saying, okay, how do we do this international freight shipping and how quickly does it need to go? And how does it need to go? How do we track it? How do we create these shipping labels? And there are these corporate accounts and there are sub accounts and who's going to bill and where, where did the bill go? And how do we pay for it through personal donations? How do we track donations? So all that was going on. Everything is going on in parallel. So the, the FedEx folks, when they found out that it, this was a uh, for the humanitarian COVID aid, they put me in touch with a, uh, a specific vice president at FedEx who deals who is charged with dealing only with this uh, these COVID relief supplies. And so he walked me through. He he put me in touch with an agent in in our local area who walked me through exactly how to do international shipping through freight, which is a totally separate process than sending a letter somewhere. Um, so then the supply chain folks came and said, listen, we can help you palletize stuff, we can help you pack stuff. Uh, our pharmacy department folks came and said, we'll prepare the shipping labels and we'll help you with the shrink wrapping of the whole thing. I said, how do you shrink wrap? And they said, no, no, we do it all the time. So let's just help you get it done. We'll organize the pallets and uh, just tell us where the stuff is coming from. So I got a whole team together. And the respiratory therapists got all the supplies. My perioperative nurses and techs got their supplies. We put it out in a staging area. Uh, the supply chain folks helped with the palletization and uh, and shrink wrapping, while the FedEx folks helped with walking us through the ship and label uh, creation. And that was one pharmacist and I just sat, pharmacy tech and I just sat down together and for half a day, we it took us, you know, going through forms and clicks and because none of us had done this before. So we were on the phone with FedEx and saying, okay, how do we do this? How do we do that? And they sent us a PowerPoint to say, walk us through, you know, each step of the way. So we did all that. And finally, you know, we called the FedEx folks and we palletized everything. And when they came and took it, it was like a huge, huge sense of relief. Um, we had to also prepare things like commercial invoices and cost estimates and stuff like that. But once that was all done, uh, we 
sent that information to the ground to the non-government organizations, the non-profit in India who would be receiving and distributing the equipment. And we send the information to them and they get back to us with signed documents and saying, okay, we'll receive these. We know what these are going to be allocated for. And once they arrive and they get through customs and they get delivered to us, we'll make sure that it gets to the right places. And our next, our second shipment has gone today. The last shipment was received on Sunday last week. And uh, we got word and pictures that the Delhi Sikh Gurdwara Committee had taken uh, the uh, the material and they were really happy at what they got for their volunteers. Another hospital, Hindu Rao Hospital in Delhi, received their supplies and they were happy with what they got as well. And so we're just waiting for this next shipment to go with over 7,000 pieces of respiratory care equipment, 228 portable pneumatic ventilators, and so much more uh, worth about $140,000 that's going uh, straight to four hospitals in New Delhi. Um, I've learned a lot along the way, all these logistics and, you know, uh, they're not really roadblocks or stumbling blocks. They're just, you know, uh, procedures that one needs to follow because those procedures were put in place to ensure tracking and efficiency and make sure that we're doing the right thing at all times. So I'm just grateful for the entire team that came, you know, together to help, you know, assemble all these pieces and just make sure that it went through. And on, the, and on the other hand, I had, the American Society of Echo, not only raising money, but offering accounting services to keep track of all the Venmo donations coming in, PayPal donations coming in, um, and, and the donations coming into the foundation as well. And so they're keeping track of all revenue and expenses and, and uh, you know, so keeping it all above board. So I'm grateful for a whole village of people. And, and when I was, I'll give you an example, actually, when I was sitting down with someone uh, who was helping me do all this inventory and shipping and packing and labeling. And, and the person said, oh, my God, this is really hard. And I said, you know what? We guys have the easy job. This is the easy part. Uh, the people who are struggling on the ground um, in New Delhi, uh, they're having it really, really bad. So um, let's just get over this easy part. This, this is an easy lift. Uh, if it's just for one day that we have to do this, we can do it. Not a problem at all. Those guys have to live with it for quite a while. So that was more of a motivation to get things done. Yeah, no, I mean, this is, you know, what you've just shared is just incredible. Uh, you know, just detailing the uh, amount of effort. And, you know, like you said, it just takes a village to mount an effort of this magnitude. I mean, over $140,000 worth of equipment, which uh, is imminently life-saving for those who will receive it. Uh, and, you know, just uh, an, an immeasurable magnitude in terms of the blessings that, uh, you know, you'll receive and, and the effort will receive once uh, the equipment is on ground and with those physicians and hospitals and families who need it the most. And, you know, that's, uh, you know, I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, the fact that you know that that's where this is going, you know, should motivate anyone, uh, you know, whether in healthcare or not, just anyone to, you know, pitch in and help out. So, you know, again, would like to congratulate you, Duke Health and FedEx and American Society of Echocardiography and, and many more who've helped you, uh, you know, put this together. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping that the second shipment arrives in New Delhi as soon as it can so that, you know, my father's hospital, I know is a beneficiary and so are the other three hospitals. And I know Hindu Rao Hospital in Delhi has, already been a, a beneficiary 
you know, the fact that we've seen this and, and, and the fact that you've gone through this once, um, do you think uh, a process um, can be put in place? Hopefully we don't have to use that process frequently, but do you think, uh, you know, something to the um, order of magnitude of like having a playbook um, as to when a calamity hits, uh, you know, what are the steps and what to, what to do and what not to do and, uh, it can be something that can be put in place, uh, which can be accessed when needed. Uh, you, uh, have you thought in those terms already? Or It's a great question. I sort of have because, uh, you know, it, one would um, benefit. I mean, others would benefit from a standardized process. But one has to understand this is not a standardized process. You know, I started um, sort of de novo trying to find out what to do and sort of I developed contacts and processes along the way, some of which were based on personal relationships, perhaps. And and so, you know, there is a process, but I'm not sure whether it's easily, uh, you know, you know, replicatable um, uh, or can be replicated easily uh, because there are so many pieces involved in this. And a lot of these are based on, uh, you know, contacts that you might have generated. But but I but I, I see what you're saying is that, you know, People can have contacts in different places and can be put in touch with other people. And so you can tweak the process according or customize it according to your local scenario and then um, and then use that process to actually send shipments or material to whichever place in the world that needs it. And if you have the resources, you can do that. So I think that's all doable. I think there has to be a great willingness to invest time an effort into this. I did not know when I was getting into this how much time it would take or how much effort it would take. Um, but, you know, I, I, I and going along uh, the way, I was able to invest that time and effort into it. And really, uh, it has yielded great, great benefit. I mean, it, it's been so valuable, so worthwhile, just knowing that I could be of help and that so many people could be helped by all our efforts locally and everyone feels that way whoever has contributed to this so i think it's totally worthwhile in terms of the effort that you put in but you've got to be willing to put in that effort and that it can be pretty frustrating at times because you're you're trying to put all your effort in and you know you may not get a call back you may not get uh, the response or uh, you know that that you may want or the speed at which you might want it because you might feel that you're the only person who's making the effort and no one else is um but 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 that's okay. That's par for the course, I guess. Um, but but you know, I mean, I've learned a lot along the way, and certainly we we could develop a sort of a playbook. But I think it's it's really what I've learned is there's so many pieces involved in this. Uh, somebody just asked me that can uh, can you help us with uh, shipping us uh, shipping supplies from my hospital to another town in India, and how do we do that? Uh, and, and I said, okay, well, let's talk about this and let's try and see how I can help you put you in touch with your local FedEx agent by calling my FedEx agent and maybe they can help and they can tell you who your person managing in your zip code is or something and how you can raise money and then how you need to get in touch with so-and-so. And, and, and a couple of people who I've already spoken to said, uh, yeah, it may be just easier to give money. So, you know, it can seem daunting, um, uh, so that's why I'm saying you have to be willing to put in that effort to do it. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it requires uh, an incredible amount of initiative. You know, that's what, you know, after listening to you and, and you know, thank you and kudos to you for having the, uh, the empathy and the compassion to mount that kind of initiative for 
our own people back home so that they can get the aid that they need. Um, as you were describing all these steps to me, um, you know, I was uh, I was registering those steps, but a follow-up question that came up naturally was, what was one of these steps which you thought would be the easiest, but, you know, actually ended up being the most difficult to uh, to orchestrate? And, you know, vice versa, which of the steps you thought would be um, the hardest and actually was not a big deal? You know, it was actually was one of the easiest steps for you in the in the uh, you know in the pathway or in the um, in, in the chain of steps that you um, you know you described so beautifully for us. Yeah, I know this is another great question. That you know what I thought would be easy that turned out to be difficult, and what I thought would be difficult turned out to be easy. So I'll start with the difficult part. So what I thought would be difficult was raising funds and capital. Uh, it turned out people just opened up with their hearts and gave to the American Society of Echo or uh, sent to a fund or Venmo and and, and, and and actually reassured me. They said, listen, whatever the uh, shipping cost is, don't worry about it. Eventually, we'll take care of it and we'll raise more money if we need to. But you just go ahead and do what you're doing. Um, and I was really uh, apprehensive and a- anxious that as to how we would raise funds to actually fund the shipping once I get all the material because people were saying, hey, yeah, here's some stuff you can send. Here's another bit of stuff you can send. And I'm thinking, how am I going to get all the money to send it? But but that was the actually the easy part. People came up and, and reassured me. They said, don't worry about it. We, we will get the money across. Uh, that's not a problem. What I thought would be really easy is, um, and, and perhaps this reflects my own naivete rather than, uh, you know, an actual process problem, uh, was, was actually creating shipping labels, uh, you know, creating an international freight shipment. I thought that would be easy. You just log onto the website, create an account, um, you know, print out forms, do whatever, and uh, create a label. And the uh, shipping courier person will carrier will come with their truck, uh, you know, load it all up, and we're done. Well, it turns out it's not that simple at all. Uh, it was really frustrating. It was annoying at times um, uh, because the website would go down, then it would come back up, and then I couldn't create an account, so we had to use another account. Then we couldn't find the account number because it was sub-account of a master account. Um, once we got all that done, we tried to upload a document. It wouldn't upload it because it wasn't the right size, the right font, the right pixel size. Uh, to upload a sign, a logo, uh, that was difficult because it wasn't the right size, the pixel size. Um, so we tried to uh, get a couple of IT folks to help us do this. And then uh, the document was too long or it was too short. Um, then we had to have a commercial invoice. Then we had to have an IEC number, an AES number, and an employee number. And we had to put all those things in. Now, while FedEx was helpful and talked us through that, you have to remember, this is not stuff that we do every day. I thought it would be easy, but turns out that in preparing an international shipment for humanitarian aid and donation from one country to another is pretty complex. Um, I didn't think it would be that way because I don't do that every day. Uh, and so uh, the person who was helping me at Duke and, and I, we just had uh, uh, you know, one hell of a time uh, spending hours and hours and hours uh, trying to get shipping labels organized. And again, it's not because FedEx is the problem. It's because we just don't do that. We're not familiar with it. I'm sure somebody who does it on an everyday basis could do it in five minutes. Um, but that was a process that was, I think, the most challenging, surprisingly. Uh, but once we got all that organized, it was a breeze. 
Yeah, wow. I mean, you know, that's why they say that, you know, doing it is different than thinking about it. And, um, you know, once you, uh, you know, put your thoughts into practice, that's when you really learn, you know, what the process is all about. Um, tell me about, uh, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, or, you know, that's how I perceived it to be, was dealing with uh, the Federal Emergency Management Agency a roadblock, or was that just a, a process or a procedure that you had to follow in order to get this international aid uh, delivered to India? Yeah, so uh, another good question. So we had to make sure that the supplies that were moving out of the United States uh, via Duke, which is a federally funded uh, institution, you know, met the FEMA regulations because FEMA has certain restrictions on what can be sent out of uh, the country and what uh, cannot. Uh, and so we had to, but but we had the export control folks at Duke who were monitoring that situation and they said, yeah, this is okay. This, this is exempt and this is not exempt and we shouldn't send this, we should send this. So they had all their checklists organized. We also had to make sure that the wording on the shipping labels and the commercial invoices and all the documentation that was there for the customs in India clearly indicated that all these supplies were for humanitarian aid, were for, for COVID relief, and contained single-use, disposable new items, and that uh, they were all uh, you know, sourced from donations only and had no commercial transactions behind them. So in other words, you know, although everything has a commercial value to it, it was not going to be intended for commercial purposes and it was going to be intended only for aid. So, you know, uh, so that would ensure that it passed through the, uh, it was considered exempt by the Indian um, import excise laws because they recently passed an order that all COVID relief supplies will be exempt from excise. Uh, and they listed a few, you know, uh, the equipment that would come under that law. And we were sure to, we were, we, we had to make sure that all these piece of equipment were under that uh, particular law and that we weren't sending anything outside of that uh, because we didn't want to either pay the excise ourselves or to have the receiving organization be responsible for paying taxes when it should be exempt for their use. So uh, those, they're not really hurdles, but they are sort of legitimate rules that have been put into place to prevent uh, sort of smuggling and stuff, I guess. Uh, so we just had to make sure that we had all the documentation and paperwork to ensure that this was donations going for humanitarian aid on both sides. Yeah, excellent. Um, so um, as a follow-up to all these questions that I've asked, is there anything that you think I did not ask you about the process, which you think is, is an important learning point for all of us in this, in this process of logistical arrangements for international aid? I think... The important thing to keep in mind here is that, and something that I would want to see is get feedback from the people who received the equipment, how useful or not useful it was and how they were using it and whether this was something really that met their requirements and met their need. Um, that's the outcome that you want from all this effort. What the outcome that you want is that people, um, healthcare is provided to the people who need them and we are successful in, in doing that by aiding healthcare, by providing them with these supplies that they either don't have or they are short of. Uh, so, so that I want to close the loop with, with the folks on the ground just to make sure that our efforts have been successful in improving care. 
and, or even providing care um, uh, down on the ground in Delhi. So, so that's that one piece that I think will uh, assure all our donors and all our suppliers and all our volunteers that their efforts have not been in vain. So that's a piece I really want to hear about. But I guess we'll have to wait for that. Yes, no, excellent comment. Um, just to, to wrap up our discussion, you know, in, in what has been, at least for me, a very enlightening discussion on the process of procuring equipment and uh, supply and learning about the supply chain, learning about the logistics for, uh, you know, orchestrating uh, the effort that you have for the COVID-19 crisis in India, you know, just the international aid that you were able to mount, you know, all by yourself uh, and help at least, you know, four hospitals or maybe five hospital systems in, in Delhi um, and, um, you know, a non-government, uh, a, a non-profit organization, um, you know, in terms of the, the, the committee that you helped out uh, in also in Delhi. So uh, uh, thank you again for doing everything that you've done. And, um Yes, I mean, I, you know, nothing more satisfying or gratifying than learning from uh, the people who you've mounted this effort for, that, you know, you were able to help their families, you were, you were able to help the, the physicians, the hospital staff, your colleagues, you know, take care of uh, these very sick patients, your, our, our own people back home, uh, and that you were able to save lives. So, you know, I could not agree more with you on that. Any, any closing remarks, uh, Madhav, for this discussion? Um, I, just that I think um, if anyone is thinking about, you know, creating anything to uh, sort of initiating an effort to help anyone on the ground in Delhi or in India, anywhere else, in any other town or in any other part of the world, I think the hardest part is to get started. But please be reassured that if you're willing to invest the effort and willing to get started, you'll have a ton of help coming your way. So uh, don't get disheartened by the the daunting effort that is involved, what's in front of you. But if you just make that effort, you'll find people will come from everywhere to help you. So, and they'll make that path easier and it'll be way, way worthwhile. So, so don't hesitate to jump right in. Excellent. Well, um, Madhav, I know it's a, a late evening on a Wednesday uh, night, uh, you know, Eastern time. So thanks again for making the time for sharing your knowledge with us and, and your efforts. And I, I hope we're going to release this episode on an expedited basis, you know, just for the uh, urgency and the need of the hour uh, so that more people can get enlightened by, uh, you know, the steps that you so eloquently elaborated uh, on the episode and take notes and, and then get going. Um, so, you know, thanks again for, uh, you know, educating us and, and being the voice of enlightenment again for um, for mounting a response for a crisis uh, that I don't think our country has seen before. So, uh, you know, thanks again for everything that you've done. Yeah, thank you, Ankur. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, and, and really, it's a pleasure talking to you every time. Thanks a lot. My pleasure. All right. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast produced by Radcliffe Cardiology in association with makeadent.org. We aim to bring you a new angle of all things cardiology every second week. Review us on your favourite podcast app or send your comments or questions to podcast at ratcliffe-group.com. 
To view the series, head to radcliffecardiology.com forward slash podcasts forward slash parallax. Thanks for listening.